Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. (laughs) We're back. So today we're going to be doing things a little differently. Actually, over the course of the next month, over this month, we're going to be doing things a little different. It is now Mental Health Awareness Month. Yay! Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to be each Tuesday of the month. We're going to be releasing episodes where we'll be talking about different topics and taboo to- to- taboo topic Tuesday. Taboo topic Tuesday. So, you know, subject like, because the whole point of the month is to spread awareness and and that stigma. And so what's more like important way to do that is to talk about those subjects that have the most stigma. Yeah, I love it. We thought that it would be a really just unique approach to mental health awareness. And don't worry, because we're also sharing stories of people's lived experiences, just not on our podcast, but on our social medias. So if you're a storyteller lover, um, stories will still be available to be heard um, on our socials. So yes, absolutely. So why don't we just check in real fast? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, how are you doing, Karen? I'm good. I mean, I am stressed, but what else is new? That's like <laughs> the story of my life, I feel like. Right. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things happening, like at like NAMI, we've got a lot of exciting things happening. And just like personally, things in my life are happening and are good. Everything is good stress, but it's still stress, you know? Yeah. So like my anxiety is a little bit high. However, I'm like good. I'm aware of it. I know that it's there and I'm just taking steps to make sure that, you know, my mind is in a good space, but stress typically just ignites my anxiety in general. So we're, we're just managing, you know, we're doing, we're doing good, but I'm happy. The weather is like starting to get beautiful. So I see myself getting outside a lot more and just, you know, vibing, but I'm good. How about you? I'm, um, I'm in Florida yet again. Literally, you're like a low-key resident of Florida. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, it's just been this past year needing to get elsewhere. Um, But yeah, so I love being in the sun and all that. And um, yeah, I'm doing well. I I did a presentation this morning, ending silent presentation, which was the first in a little while. So it was really exciting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling 
I'm feeling good. I'm feeling inspired. I am. I'm looking forward to all the fun stuff we're going to be doing this month. Yeah. So many good things. Really good. Be on the lookout friends on all of our NAMI Philadelphia social medias for awareness events, which we always put in the show notes and Mm -hmm. I will list them again at the end. Cool. So what's the taboo topic for the day today? The taboo topic for the day is trauma. Oh, trauma. Trauma. When we talk about mental health, I, there is so much that has to do with trauma. There's so many people who struggle with mental health, who have experienced trauma Mm -hmm. reality. Um, I was reading that, um, it, it was only up until 1995 that people thought it was very rare that people experienced trauma. But around 95, in 1995, they did a study that revealed that 61% of American men and 51% of American women had experienced at least one trauma. Wow. So I mean, that makes they sense, are. right? Like that right. makes sense to me. Just, I guess maybe because of the field that we're in, like we see this a lot and because we're both like in our own journey like trauma survivors if you will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's just like it's part of our day-to-day so like that right. makes sense to me right like that actually sounds low low yeah it does, yeah, it does like, sound low yeah okay, what was the statistic again uh well this was in 95 too so okay five so uh 61% of American men and 51% of American women so, um, interesting. That's an interesting statistic. I wonder what it would be today. today. I'm feeling yeah. like it would probably be higher. Yeah. Even. Oh yeah. Um, and like part of it is that I think people were mostly, you know, thinking of trauma as being something that soldiers, yeah, like a vet, like a veteran. Be, yeah. Like it had to be something really severe. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if this is true. This is just me assuming that like the first discussion around PTSD and stuff was probably correlated or related to veterans. Yeah. Those who have served in the military. Yeah. They used to call it like being shell-shocked. Yeah. 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 They did. And stuff. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, Because they were aware that like soldiers would come back like in the world wars, you know, World War One, World War Two. Right. You know, the soldiers would come back and have, you know, be traumatized, but they called it shell shocked. Um, even in Vietnam, I think, which came, I think that was a lot more common. But anyway, I'm glad that it's talked about, but it's not still not nearly talked about enough. No. And no, it's not. that's like part of what leads to PTSD. For sure. And PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And the thing is, is that a lot of people do experience trauma that and don't end up having PTSD. Um, and that's when, that's because they, you know, go through the natural healing that, that, that happens when you experience trauma, the like fear, the, the anxiety. Mm-hmm the sadness, you know, and, um, anger, whatever those natural feelings, totally normal. They're totally yeah. normal reactions. Right. And so when that, it, those snap, that natural healing process is interrupted, mm-hmm. that's when it can lead to PTSD. Yes. And I was, as you're saying this, I was just reading 
like an overview, I guess, or a definition of PTSD. And that's exactly what it says, right? Like typically when one of someone goes through a traumatic event, like they have that like natural fight or flight response, or right. they may have that like natural experience of sadness and fear and grief and all these things. But like you said, it, if it lingers and it becomes interruptive and things of that nature, it is more likely to result in PTSD. What does PTSD look like to some people, do you think? Well, there are actually like very specific criteria, um, but it's um, one of the biggest um, symptoms or, you know, effect that um, really clearly define like that this is like a PTSD situation is flashbacks, Mm. nightmares, um, aggression. I, I remember, so I, in my story that I shared previous, I didn't really go into a whole lot of detail, but I lost my mom and dad when I was really young. And I talked about that in my story. My dad died in a car accident and it wasn't directly, like it didn't directly happen to me. Like I was not in the car accident, but it, the like act around the accident, I I don't know. I was never diagnosed with it as a young child, but I used to have these reoccurring nightmares Mm. of like being in the, like being in the car with my mom and dad during the car accident, like trying to stop it, Mm. trying to somehow stop it. And that like looking back, like feels super like night, like reoccurring nightmarish. Yeah. I I know like that you've experienced things similar to that too. Right. Like I, I was in a car accident when I was in high school and that was when, and I, you know, I also shared my story previously. You can check out the episode. Um, and, uh, you know, that was the first time PTSD was mentioned, even though I had experienced trauma before that, but Mm -hmm. I had recurring flashbacks. I was in the shower one time Mm -hmm. and a song came on that I think was playing in the car and Mm -hmm. it, triggered the, it was like I was in the car crash yeah. again yeah um and then I also used to have these recurring nightmares where I couldn't move I was getting attacked and I couldn't move my arms like in real life you couldn't yeah like oh my god well I don't know in my it was like dreams like dream sure like I couldn't like I could kind of but not with any force so I could yeah. defend myself and oh my gosh. The therapist said that's very common to have those like feelings of helplessness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I felt too. Like in, in my dream that I was my reoccurring nightmare, I felt I was completely silenced, like in the dream, like yeah. my mom and dad could not see me or hear me, but mm-hmm. I was like, get out of the car. Do not get in the car. Like I was like, over here, over here. Mm-hmm. And it was because I felt so helpless, mm-hmm. like in real life. Like I was like, I couldn't do, I couldn't have fixed this, but it's, yeah. it's so interesting. And like, I know that sometimes flashbacks, like you mentioned, can happen when we're awake. Yes. Like when we're not sleeping or dreaming, you know, that a song or a scent Mm -hmm. or a certain color or location or person Mm -hmm. can trigger emotions for people. Yeah. I mean, I remember it happened in the office. Yes. I came into 
um, I was on my way into work and mm -hmm. massive car accident occurred right in front of my car, the car that I was in an Uber. And mm -hmm. this, like a car went and crashed into a fire truck and it was this massive thing. And I came into the office and I like fell on the floor in my office and I was sobbing and Amy mm -hmm. <laughs> and she had to like help me. And mm -hmm. later even I was standing at the coffee machine and all of a sudden it was like, again, I was transported into the car. And also like you said, like, cause my, I lost my boyfriend in a car accident and I wasn't there, but mm -hmm. I was told about it, which I don't recommend. Um, and also same thing. Like I would have these, mm -hmm like these flashes of like being in that car too yep um so yeah I mean those are some real symptoms but also like um what I have because I've been going through this trauma treatment which is yeah girl you have really been. helpful um it's been hard but Dude. really helpful. yeah of course it's been hard are you <laughs> like you're talking about like deep rooted stuff girl like deep rooted really intense stuff that you're bringing up again to yeah. reflect on and talk about that's awesome I'm so proud of you for doing that thank you and like because one of the things like one of the things that's at the core of PTSD is avoidance like avoiding yes. air like places that could remind you yes. um those just those feelings like talk yes. about it and when I started the trauma treatment that it's I'm doing cognitive processing therapy and when I started it, um, I said, what I want to work on is my boyfriend's death mm -hmm. that happened. And, and she was like, that's mm, not the trauma I think we need to work on. Uh, and she was like, which is the one that you don't talk about? And I was like, I guess when I was raped. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> of course. And that like, for anyone who has experienced that, you know, or a similar situation, I'm sure that it is almost next, I mean, impossible to talk about. Yeah. It brings up feelings that are painful. It brings up feelings that are scary and uncomfortable. So it's not, it's a natural feeling. I feel like too, to be like, no, I'm, I'm yeah. just not going to discuss this. Uh, yeah. And then it becomes more and more like covered and deep inside of our soul. And it impacts us in ways that we don't really realize mm -hmm. until we unleash, unleash. Yeah. It. And that's part of the process of like cognitive processing therapy. I know there's like other EMD, EMDR and EMDR with the, like of, the eye movement one. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, that, but the thing is, is that because of the avoidance and, you know, the interruption in the healing process, like there's all these stuck points is what they call them that you create, but like, you know, for, so for instance, for me, like it was my fault. I shouldn't have gone to this house. I shouldn't have, you know, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been, you know, of course, of course, instead of looking at it as like, I was raped they raped me other mm -hmm, than, um, you know, uh, there, there was nothing I could do to prevent, right. you know, of course. And it is like that reprocessing, reframing, reprocessing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard. I mean, having to re teach literally like reteach yourself yeah. what happened and how it happened and the result of what happened. Yeah. And in the process, I started to go through that natural 
feeling, those natural feelings replaced, like, because it was so repressed and there was so much, like, I started to feel the anger and the sadness and it was like, it was overwhelming. And I bet. But that's what I should have felt at the time. At the time. Right. And I almost feel like, I mean, I, I understand that like numbing experience, right? Like when something traumatic happens to you, mm-hmm. sometimes it is a natural response for us to just completely shut down and like feel numb to things yeah. that like, yes, this happened, but like, I literally can't feel feelings around yeah. this incident. That's actually a coping like, mechanism, right? I don't right. want to feel, I don't want to feel. Yeah. That's actually your body protecting you. Right. Oh, so interesting. You know, and it's like, it's actually your body being like right now, you can't deal with all that other stuff. So it's like your brain and your body are actually really magical. Yeah. <laughs> that do these, they do, they do protect you and it's okay to be protected. And like that prefrontal cortex, whatever it is that is responsible for that flight or fight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, we don't like that, that does its own. That's like the, that's the root of the nervous system right. a before we had abilities to make decisions. So yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. Um, it is powerful. Can you, I mean, and you can say no, if you want to, I know that sometimes you struggle with like symptoms of like arousal, like startle, mm-hmm. you startle easily certain times or you're, you know, with your whole seating position, you have to be seated a certain yeah. way. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I, I don't, I need to be aware of what's going on around me all the time because it's, it's a way of feeling like I'm in control because my trauma took away my control, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I like to sit with my back to a wall. I get really uncomfortable and scared. And when I have my back to a room, so, um, I like to sit with my back to a wall and I get really like, cause, because there's shame associated with this, with these traumas, like that are, you know, things that are created that are not real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) they, I, I get embarrassed sometimes and I will try to not do that so that I, people don't think I'm weird or, you know, and, and then, but then I'm just aroused. Like you said, I'm just like, I'm, I have that hyper, um, vigilance. Yep. And even like when I walk down the street, um, a lot of times, and this has gotten better. It's not all the time. Yeah, of course. Constantly, you know, looking around, making sure everything's okay. Um, but I don't like to be in certain situations like, um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, examples of this, <laughs> that I have. right? Like, I feel like you, you know, you don't like to be put in certain situations maybe where like, you can't see an exit or like when you feel mm-hmm. like overcrowded and you can't see like where you can move to yeah. or when you are like, I feel like temperature sometimes like if it's too hot in a space and you feel like you're like it like almost yeah you yeah I don't like to be in big crowds yeah that's Uh common I feel like that's really common for people that like crowded space situation yeah um and yeah I I do I get um I think I get more anxious and fearful than than one would typically get um 
it's been one thing that I think has been really helpful for me is doing the presentations that I do because mm -hmm. I am in, I do like I'm in situations that could be stressful and places that could be stressful. Mm -hmm. um, in front of kids oh <laughs> and it does it pushes my my comfort zone it like and it helps open up that comfort zone so hmm. um when I first came out of treatment and my trauma was like at the floor right like right yeah. there yeah um I was scared all the time of somebody coming into my room of somebody um, so like when I was in treatment, for instance, they do room checks and they made it so that they, they like did a special thing because I have a high startle, like you said. So when people would come into my room, I would jump up. I like scared all these nurses and stuff when I was in the hospital. Cause I like would jump up. Um, I'm a very light sleeper because of that. So, um, yeah, so they had to make like things that they would not come and check on me, um, in the middle of the night. So that I, yeah. And so like, I think when I think of trauma and PTSD too, I also am so interested in seeing and looking at it from like a child perspective, because mm -hmm. as a foster mom mm -hmm. and like seeing children's reaction to trauma, it's so interesting. And oftentimes overlooked, I feel like, like when we talk about trauma and PTSD and things like that, we think about it, like typically the, the, the person or the image that comes to mind is an adult. Right. But I have seen a lot of my foster kids who have experienced like complex trauma, like trauma layered on top of trauma on top of trauma and like community trauma and um, like all of these experiences mm -hmm. that are layered on top of each other by the time they're like eight, <laughs> they've mm -hmm. seen some really, really big things and they may act out in mm -hmm. ways that a typical or like an untrained person or an unaware and uneducated person might see as like bad. Right. Or they might be like defiant or like bedwetting mm -hmm. or, um, mm -hmm. you know, not eating appropriately. Or mm -hmm. I think about my one foster child who had a lot of anger mm -hmm. and he was very small. He was only three years old and had anger of like the Hulk you know, and right. he would do things that we would get so frustrated with. Right. And we would remember his trauma history. Right. Right. And that by the time he turned three years old, the list of traumas that he himself saw with his sweet little eyeballs, mm -hmm. like the impact that that had on his brain and development. Right are huge. So with kids, we have to be aware too, that they may react and act in ways that might look, you know, defiant or bad or whatever. Right. And that really, they're me. like, they're hurting internally They're and they don't know right. how to express it. Right. Child psychology is so interesting, I think. And also like, I mean, trauma with children can start as early as, you know, infancy like just not having um so like my cousin right now um had a baby who has some health issues and she the my cousin the the mom was diagnosed with COVID as soon as she came into the hospital it turned out it was a false positive like 10 days later though so the baby wasn't being held by the mom 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is trauma. Trauma. So it can start that early. I was told one time it can start in the womb. Absolutely. I mean, it, if you think about it, like a lot, my, both of my, well, my adopted son and my foster son, both were exposed to extreme trauma in the womb mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of like, this is like this complex trauma or this like cyclical trauma or generational trauma or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. where you like their mom was also exposed to trauma in her life. Right. And it trickled down into her actions and her behaviors. And it, you know, it caused her to make decisions for her life that weren't wonderful. Right. And then she chose, you know, substances to probably numb the feelings of hardship and sadness and depression. And then my boys were born addicted. Right. And born exposed and had so much trauma in utero that are now impacting them as outside of the belly. Right. You know, and that was something that they didn't choose or nothing that like they saw or Mm -hmm. that was part of their, like they didn't experience direct trauma, Mm -hmm. but it will affect them and impact them probably for life. Right. And that's like, and I like that you mentioned intergenerational trauma. That's like something that we've talked about in previous episodes as well. And like, that is something that's so important. And, you know, this past year, we, as a planet, (laughs) experienced community, collective trauma, right? Like we all went through this pandemic. Our lives were just completely flipped upside down. Um, there was so much fear involved and, you know, and, and then in our, and then as a country, you know, there was a whole mass movement of, you know, the Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, this, this fear again of, um, of the police, yep. um, of uh, just the world like everything just got really up at, at there there was the insurrection yep. you know, there's like all these things that really stirred up a lot of fear and so we all as a, as a planet literally <laughs> yeah experience collective trauma which is always so interesting because like I think that and I think that that the way that that can help but that there can be a natural healing process is mm-hmm. by talking about it you yeah. know and that's why like support groups are really yep. great. Um, yep, absolutely. And that's exactly like what we try to do, right? With Mental Health Awareness Month, with mm-hmm. NAMI, with like everything that you do with ETS and mm-hmm. with the support groups is we have to start with education and awareness. Like that's mm-hmm. where it starts. That's where people find community connection they shatter that idea that they are alone and they are the only ones that have experienced right right and they come together and when you like the words come out of your mouth like I have been here too or Mm -hmm. I have felt this too there's mm-hmm. so much magic in there that yeah. like, that happens, you know? Yeah. And I think also an important thing that when it comes to trauma is like, I've heard people say before, like, you know, well, why do some people have PTSD and others don't from the same experience? And so then they think that the people who have PTSD or have a more s- serious traumatic response are weak. 
that drives me crazy because yes. nothing to do with that. It has everybody experiences things differently. Yes. And I think that can also come from like what, what surrounds you. Like if somebody, you know, it, it, I don't know, somebody is told after they were assaulted that they shouldn't have done this mm-hmm. that, the other thing, yep. they're going to have a more traumatic response. Of course. Than somebody who's been immediately being told it's not your fault. Right. Supported and like wrapped yeah. up in resources and things mm-hmm. like that. I love that you said everyone experiences things differently. And I want to add on top of that, like also everyone heals differently as mm-hmm. well. Right. Right. Like there's no timeline on saying like, like, here's my trauma. It happened here. I have to be healed or I should be healed and better by the time I get here. And this is how I do it. Like there's not a a prescription for healing when it comes to trauma. Right. And I think that that's like super unique. Like, you know, right now you're dealing with trauma that happened years ago, 20 years ago, (laughs) you're dealing with it in a very like clinical supported Mm -hmm. way. Right. You know, and some people like find a lot of healing through holistic practices, like Mm -hmm. body awareness and yoga and things of that nature as well. And so many treatment forms in the world there are. Yeah. And I think that trauma can be very isolating Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of the guilt and shame and all of that. And so that's why things like support groups and there's, you know, I mean, we offer a ton of support groups. There's also like, if somebody's been raped, there's war, which is women organized against rape that hold a lot of support groups. Um, There's AA and NA, you know, and I, from my own personal experience, there is a lot of traumatized people in those meetings. Um, So I think that being around other people who have experienced it and can like say, you know, I've been there, it's not your fault. Yes. We all experience, we've, there's, it's not, you're not alone. Like you said. Yes. Can be make all the difference all the difference and I I mean I don't have like a fancy statistic that I'm about to say <laughs> like I can I can only imagine the amount of people that have experienced like little t trauma to big t trauma right mm-hmm. like that there's yeah. someone in our in our near vicinity that had or someone closer to you than you think that has experienced some type of trauma yeah. And, you know, I think that that is a powerful thing to think about that we are not, we are not alone in, in that experience. Yeah. And I just want to list that, like, um, so there's trauma, there's different kinds of trauma and I just want to put some of these. Yeah. In. Talk about that. That's important. Real quick. Um, so there's, there's person to person, which I think is the most common person to person trauma, which is like assault rape, crime, violence, atrocities, war, mass shootings, which are becoming more and more common. So that's like person to person trauma. And then there's traumas that aren't strictly interpersonal, which are like natural disasters or medical emergencies or, you know, um, terrorist attacks like, you know, 9-11 is now 20 years ago. Um, but still trickling down some trauma from that. I mean, there's, that's still traumatic. 
that was, yeah, like I experienced 9-11 on a personal level. And that was very traumatic. I have like fears of flying when it comes mm-hmm. to flying in airports and stuff. So yeah, it's, there's a lot. And um, yeah. So those are all is complex, man. It's very, very complex. It's and complex. And it's something that is constantly being researched and looked into and treatment modalities and things mm-hmm. of that nature around trauma. Like, I don't think that the conversation will ever end around trauma. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we're having like a small little snippet of one today. Mm-hmm. Cause I think yeah. it's important and it's, it's ugly, right? Trauma is mm-hmm. hard. It's yucky. It's complicated. It's hard to talk about. But like we've said on this podcast more than one time, it's also the title of our podcast. You are not alone. You are not alone. There there is someone out there for you. There is help out there for you. There Mm -hmm. is someone who has experienced a similar situation to you. And it's okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Whenever you decide to talk about it, even if it happened to you when you were in the womb, (laughs) right to talk about it now right like it's not like you you know if you can't talk about it right after it happens or that's valid yeah that's that doesn't mean you're not gonna you're not able to go through the natural healing process either correct and it doesn't make it less traumatic either right right so you know that is you you have the power to define that for yourself and you are also valid for feeling however you felt in the moment of the trauma, mm-hmm. immediately following the trauma, and 50 years after the trauma, like your feelings are valid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> so we're trying our best to keep these short and sweet. So yeah. I think that we'll wrap up this little chat today. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks for chatting with us about this topic. I know that it's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And we mentioned support groups and we mentioned NAMI and war and all of the resources that we'll leave in the um, show notes for you guys to reach out if you need any. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put a bunch of that uh, stuff related to what we've talked about in the show notes. Absolutely. And remember again, that you are not alone. You are are not alone. alone. You are brave. You are bold and you are worthy and worth healing. Yeah. So we love you guys. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next Tuesday. Oh my God. Let's see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. And you can follow us on Instagram at the Yana podcast. It's the hottest account on Insta. It sure is. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye guys. Peace and love. Happy day. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Or go to NAMI.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.